you either continue on working or you don't. And there's plenty of people who just don't, you know. And so it's like you had such success as a kid, but then you get into your mid-20s and you're like, I don't think I want to do this. I don't think I like this job. I don't think I like this business. Yeah. And then you just, you're like, well, now I have to go to real life. Welcome to The Greatest Stories Never Told. My name is Danny Jordan, and I am your host. It feels weird calling myself a host because I feel like this podcast is going to be very different from many other podcasts that are out there. At least that's my mission. That's my goal with this show. For those of you who are tuning in, tuning in. Who says tuning in? This is 2023. For those of you who are streaming this series that don't know who I am, we're not family, we're not friends, we're not colleagues, and you're wondering, who the heck is this guy? I am an award-winning TV producer and children's author. I've worked on shows like Extreme Makeover Home Edition, Master Chef, Dealer No Deal, Storage Wars, and then there's my children's series. My book series is called The Capables, and The Capables are a group of kid superheroes, all of whom have a disability, and their powers are activated through empowerment. I created this series back in 2018 as the fulfillment of a promise to my daughter who was born with a disability. In short, I wanted her to see herself represented as the hero in the story, so I created The Capables, and now I've created this podcast, which I'm I'm so, so excited about. What I want to do with this show is to open up conversations that historically haven't happened, whether those be with people that we know, celebrities, notable individuals, or people who are doing really, really cool things in the world that have never had the chance to share their story before. And that's why this show exists. I want to shine a light on those people. I want to shine a light on stories that have never been told before. And that's why we're here. So this is our premiere episode. It's the first, it's the debut, it's number one, it's Uno, it's all the things. And honestly, I am so stoked for the guest who's going to be joining us here today. He's a buddy of mine. I'm sure many of you all know him, love him, watched him grow up on shows like Good Luck Charlie, Mighty Med, Lab Rats, tons of hits that were on Disney Channel. He is such a cool dude. We have known each other for years. We play softball together. And when I was looking at who was going to be our debut guest, who was going to help us come out of the gates with The Greatest Stories Never Told, I reached out to Bradley. He said yes, and I'm so grateful that he did. Our conversation is awesome and i'm so so excited for you all to listen to what bradley and i discuss you know bradley has a great head on his shoulders i think a lot of times when you think about child stars you know we we see the bad stories that end up in the news but there's so many people out there individuals like bradley who navigated stardom as children teenagers young adults and are living productive lives bradley graduated from usc um, you know, he's writing his own stuff now. He's he's just a really, really down-to-earth person, and we discuss why that is in our conversation today. We discuss the highs and lows of his career, what it's like working in film, what it's like living in a time where anyone can get on their phone and can sort of become a celebrity overnight and, and how that impacts him as someone who started working at a very young age at the age of five and got his first big gig at nine and has dedicated his life to his craft. Um, I think it's a challenging thing for a lot of people who are creatives uh, during this time. And we dig dig deep into that and many, many other topics uh, in our conversation. But before we get to that, I just want to say thank you for taking time to listen to this show. I know that there are millions of options out there for you to consume 
uh, content and the fact that you are taking time out of your day to listen to our show means the world. I do ask that if you like what you are hearing today, please make sure to rate and review the show. That really does a lot to ensure that more people around the world discover what we're doing. And I think what we're doing here is really, really cool. And I think the more people, the more eyes and ears we can get on this show and, and the people that we're going to feature on it. So please rate and review. You can also follow us on social media. We are at Never Told Pod. Uh, come find us there. If you love what you're hearing, leave a review. I will read those reviews on the show. Uh, or if you can't review on the platform you're listening on, shoot me a DM uh, through the show page or you can follow me at Danny Jordan on Instagram. And that's how we'll connect. But um, this is going to be exciting. This is the beginning this is where it all starts, and I'm sitting here legitimately alone in my office slash studio talking into this microphone, wondering who in the world is going to listen, and you're one of those people, and I'm so grateful for you. And I think we're going to do something really, really special with this show. Let's do it. Welcome to The Greatest Stories Never Told. I'm so thrilled for this conversation today, our premiere episode Honored. Greatest stories. You should be. Uh, <laughs> only one person ever in the history of this show can say they were the premier guest. And you are. I'm going to remember that, too, when, you, when you're when you doing 10 million downloads an episode. I hope you put it on your resume. It should be. Special It'll skills. Be at the top. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Special I, skills. <laughs> special skills. A premier episode guest. On any one particular? No, just <laughs> as many as possible. <laughs> like, I'm a really great premier episode guest. Everybody loves guest. having me on first. Yes. Never again when it's successful, yeah. but they like to kick it off so that maybe that can help them, <laughs> and then they grow from they there. They never bring Bradley back. <laughs> no, but I, I'm so stoked to be chatting with this guy. Um, we played church softball together, and we've been on this team together for many, many years and honestly, we didn't talk a lot for a lot of the no. years that we were on the team. And then for some reason recently, um, I think it was through podcasting that we just sort of like started having this conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think for me personally, just realized I was like, oh, this dude's a funny dude. Um, we get along well. We share a lot of the same opinions about things. We may be like 16, 17 years apart age wise, yeah, but like we're vibing. And so I reached out to this guy and I said, hey, do you want to join me for the premiere episode of Greatest Stories? And he was so kind to oblige that person is bradley stephen perry that's me stoked to have you here man i'm excited to be here yeah this is fun. we're gonna chat about a lot of things here today um for those who are listening i'm sure that a lot of your fans might be you know listening in uh you know bradley from all his years on disney channel shows like good luck charlie uh mighty med you also did uh lab rats elite force which was you played the same character so that was a confusing one it was a yeah. com lab rats was a tv show Mighty Med was a TV show. Lab Rats ended, and they loved Lab Rats. Lab Rats was a good show. And they were like, we don't want them to go, so we're going to combine these two shows. We were like, they're two successful shows, so they combined them, and we did one big season of uh, Lab Rats Elite Force, which was Mighty Med and Lab Rats combined. And that was, what, 16 episodes-ish? Yeah, we did like 16. There? Okay. Yeah. I mean, you just had this like pocket of time from, what, 2010 through 2016, where it was like, you were doing so much stuff yeah. for Disney Channel. Yeah. And you were nine, right, when you started on Good Luck Charlie. So what is it like growing up on TV? Um, you know, I don't know, honestly, man, if I, I got lucky or if it's the same experience for everybody, but I, it was great. I, I, don't, I don't feel like I missed anything. Every once in a while, I'm like, man, what was it like to go to high school? I wonder if I should have gone to high school. And then I talked to one person, and I'm like, I don't think I would have liked high school. 
Doesn't sound very fun. So you were schooled on set. Yeah. Throughout the entire thing. Yeah. And I mean, I honestly, when I went to college, I kind of realized that uh, the version of school that I had done in throughout high school was harder than college. <laughs> I mean, it's you and one other person in a classroom, right. you know, whereas like college, it's like I'd wake up and be like, oh, I don't know if I have to go today. I really don't think I have to walk to class right now. So I, right. I think I'm just not gonna. I had to go to work every day, you know, so I had to do school every day. But yeah, I, I mean, I worked with amazing people. I got to travel to a lot of great places. And I, I mean, growing up doing it, it was, I felt as lucky as I possibly could be. Was it what you wanted? Like as a kid, you thought, did you think, I want to be a TV star? So. I did a commercial when I was five years old and I didn't even get what was going on at all. I'm not even kidding you. My, I had a character name and they were like, they would call my character name and I was like, who are you talking about? I'm like five. I'm like, what do you, my name's Bradley. They call me Bradley. <laughs> who is this, who's this Steve guy they keep talking yeah, about my, over here? My, my mom comes in and they're like, she's like, no, that's just, that's what they're just calling you. It's just for this commercial. And I was like, no, that's not my name. Stop Sorry. calling me that. Like, that's not my name. <laughs> so they in the commercial, they changed the kid's name to Bradley because I really? wasn't getting it. I, like, wasn't getting it. But I loved being on set. I loved being in front of the camera. And I later in life realized, oh, I think I just liked people watching me. <laughs> like, I think I liked doing this where every, uh, the attention was on me. I just needed the attention. Um, but so I asked my mom if I could do commercials. And she was like, yeah, but that's it. Like, if you enjoyed it. But this is a weird business you know right it's i feel like most parents are the ones who push their kids into acting my mom was like i don't think you should do this um so but your family wasn't connected to the business no at all. not one person in my family has wow. worked in the film industry and was there something was like a moment for you as a kid where you saw a show where you thought i want to do that thing that seems really exciting to me or was it just that first commercial where you're like i really thought that was a ton of fun and you know i i loved doing that but i think more than anything i, I for most of my friends and my family can probably t attest to is I, I just like making people laugh. I like entertaining people. Mm. And I, that's just like, that is the reason why I act. I watch movies like wedding crashers, you know, and like something like that to me is just like, this is just brings people joy. Right. It's just fun. And it's like, if, if you can do that, if you can make people laugh or, and the flip side of that, if you can make people cry in a drama, that's just like the craziest, most amazing thing. To make people feel. Yeah. And so I just always really enjoyed that. I've always loved comedy just because I think making somebody laugh is like the best feeling in the world. When you're in a room full of people and you can make someone laugh, like that's just like the most amazing feeling. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. I think laughing and crying are very closely related. Actually, my massage therapist. Uh, sure. That's a good transition. She brings this up. Yeah. I, I really want to get, I want to go do a deep dive into massage therapy. Uh, we'll get into Speaking like of regular crying. psychoanalysis <laughs> later. Uh, no, but she talks about like there's certain parts you can massage on people's bodies and people react to one of two ways. People either cry or they laugh. Like there's no neutral reaction. Cause she was doing like this thing, like there's these muscles like in like your hip flexors that you can release. They get really, really tight. You don't think about your hip flexors a lot. And she goes, I'm just going to warn you, it is not a pleasant experience. She goes, you are either going to laugh really loud or you're going to start sobbing. I was like, okay. It's sort of like when someone says, I'm going to hypnotize you. And you're like, yeah, you're like, right. Yeah, right. I'm never going to balk like a chicken. Come on. <laughs> and then you're walking around balking like a chicken like and then you don't remember any of it. Uh, <laughs> but she did this massage. And I swear to God, Bradley, I was like laughing so uncontrollably. Was it laughing like you were being tickled? 
or was it laughing like you just heard a good joke that made you like crack up? It's like being tickled. It's people, it's a, a reaction to certain sensations that can be like when some people, when they get really scared, you know, they, they cry or they laugh. It's just, it's something in our brains that how we react to, to certain situations. And so I'll be really interested to see whether you are laughing or crying at the end of this episode. That's yeah, what I'm really. You're gonna do the really flexion go massage on me? Is that what's going on? No, it's just gonna be. Yes, through my questioning, <laughs> it's gonna be very deep tissue questioning. Is, is what I call this. Um, so, you wanted to do this. You got really, really fortunate. You worked your butt off. Did it for a long time. Was there ever a time where you were doing it where you thought I don't want to do this anymore? Yeah. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not because I didn't enjoy acting, and not because I didn't enjoy being on set it was because i was 14 years old and i had friends from baseball who were doing all these things and i just felt like i was missing out mm. and i wanted to you know i i actually took being recognized in public or uh, having fans come up to me when i was doing stuff with my friends it was it was almost embarrassing mm. you know because it was like i would go just to play baseball and I was there on a, on a weekend just trying to be a baseball player and people would come to the game, you know, to watch because I right. was there. And that was, it was embarrassing. Um, that happened on our on softball team. Yeah. I remember early days because you joined the team because of Jason Dolly, yeah. who was playing on our team. And I've, I've known Jason since he was a kid, taught him Sunday school back in the day, I know his family well. Yeah, it's probably horrible to admit I've never even been to the church. You're not supposed to say that. Then you can't be on the team anymore. <laughs> anyway, this is a premiere episode. We don't have the big audience okay. yet. So yeah, I think we're going to be, uh, and I don't think any of the league reps from uh, the park district. Like, I also don't think they care. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, think I'd say care. 90% of the league yeah, is guys is who are not, not going, going to church. To any of those churches. Um, but I remember you, know, you joined the team. And I remember there was one week where there were like all these young girls in yeah. the stands. And I don't know if they like, found out that you were on the team or they had like come to watch another game and then word started spreading They're like hey these two guys from good luck charlie yeah are on that team and people would just show up i think they to might watch i think they might have been from your guys church oh, okay and i think like it was exciting for them so they would go um but but yeah i mean i, I mean it just is like uh as a kid you don't really know how to handle that right um and i i just wanted to hang out with my friends and i just kind of remember it's stupid to look back on it, but I remember at that age being embarrassed and wanting mm. to like, I remember, you know, my buddies were starting to date girls and I wasn't even around girls, you know, cause I was with my cast. That was it. I wasn't going to high school meeting girls and I just thought it was like so crazy right. and I wanted to, to hang out with them and I wanted to go to the mall and just walk around like weird teenagers do. I still will never understand that because I don't really <laughs> do it, but why do by the way why do people do that why do people just go to malls well they don't anymore they go to amazon that's true i think that's what happens now but, but like, why remember, like did as a they, kid yeah. like oh, dude people I, would just go to the mall when i was 16 17 years old we one of my best friends his grandfather had a convertible mustang a really like shiny blue convertible mustang the mall. and we would drive through the strip malls here in town and we would put on like really loud rap music and I don't know what our end game was with this whole thing. Like, I don't know if we thought like, oh, a bunch of girls are going to be walking through. And they're going to hear <laughs> we got to get in there. Tupac, you know, <laughs> yeah. thumping, and they're like, those those, really those nerdy white, white dudes <laughs> with braces. They we should hang out with them for sure. Uh, 
but like it was so loud that like the trunk would be like rattling like you're like i don't know why we did those things i don't know anyway i wanted to do that yeah i really wanted to do that and i uh well if you want I didn't <laughs> yeah we let's can do go that right cruising after. through the strip mall afterwards yeah. i'll throw in some tupac and <laughs> we'll go do it for sure <laughs> but you know it was like i i i I wanted to do that at the time. And now I look back on it as a grown adult and go, you idiot. Why were you ever trying to get rid of a job to go to high school? You know? Right. But at the time I didn't, that didn't matter to me. I wasn't thinking about getting paid. I wasn't thinking about the, you know, the whole complex of being on a show. It didn't register to me. I just, I kind of, I think the people who followed me on Instagram and social media and stuff like that were my age. So I was looking at them being like, you're following me, but I kind of want to be like you, right. you know? Uh, Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Do you get now, like, as you're an adult, you know, in your mid-20s, looking back at your experience for all those years being on Disney Channel as a kid, can you see or sort of empathize for, you know, these child actors or singers or whatever who maybe have a rough time transitioning into adulthood, yeah. sort of life after the celebrity or even as their celebrity continues but they never really had that childhood well it's such a strange thing because it's um you either continue on working or you don't and there's plenty of people who just don't you know and so it's like you had such success as a kid but then you get into your mid-20s and you're like i don't think i want to do this i don't think i like this job i don't think i like this business yeah and then you just you're like well now i have to go to real life you right. Know? And that's kind of a crazy scenario. But I also I've always had a soft spot for the people who didn't handle it well, because it's like, well, who would, you know, mm. like I would always watch like <laughs> probably a bad example. But like you'd watch like Justin Bieber and the dude would always get criticized for, you know, driving 140 miles in his Ferrari or buying a monkey or dating all these girls. And you're like, OK. Who's judging that? Because that's right. what everybody would have done. If you were 16 years old and you got hundreds of millions of dollars and you could do whatever you wanted with right. your life, everybody would buy a monkey. It's basically like the movie Blank Check in real life. Yes. You ever seen that movie? Yes. That's Where exactly the kid gets the million dollar or the blank check. He writes him a check for a million dollars. And what does he do? He immediately goes out, buys himself a house, puts in a water slide, go-karts, yeah. all the things that every kid would do. Obviously, it ends badly because... He, you know, owes a hundred thousand dollars and only <laughs> yeah. has three hundred dollars left, and sort of his world comes crashing down very, yeah. very quickly. It's sort of like, a, like a very like microcosm of like the childhood star experience of these people who just rise to superstardom. And some people, I think, navigate it with with grace and with maturity. Do you think that that was? Like, can that be credited to anyone? It was like, is it your parents? Like, were they always like super involved in making sure that you stayed grounded and that you didn't get wrapped up in like the celebrity aspect of what you were doing? Oh, dude, for sure. I mean, I grew up out here. You know, I grew up just in Thousand Oaks. Mm -hmm. And if there was anything going on in the film industry, any parties or events like that my mom was like nah i have three other kids like i'm going home <laughs> you know it was like i had to go home with right. her it wasn't like i could be like no mom i'm going it's like right. well then you're how are you gonna get home because that's right. that's right where you're sleeping tonight you know and it wasn't like it wasn't like i my whole family moved out here so that i could act hmm. 
I, I was able to act because I lived here. Mm. I've, I've said it a billion times. Uh, I think if I lived even an hour further away from Los Angeles, I probably would have never started acting. Really? I, I'm lucky that I lived here because it was just kind of like, I have a normal family. My, my sisters have no involvement in the film industry, married with kids. My, my parents just, you know, live their life. We're just a normal family. I just do this weird business. Right. You know? Um, so it was like going to work yeah, every day. And then you had to come home and right. like anybody who has, has a job. And I think if, if you've moved out here with your family and you're kind of living off of your income as, as a young adult, it's fair. Uh, but it's also so confusing, hmm. you know? And I think you get put in a weird situation. And then I think everybody's like, well, you have to go to the events. You have to go to this red carpet. You have to do these meet and greets. And it's like, you don't really you know, right. and if you don't, maybe you lived a more normal life. I would leave set on run through days to go make like a Tuesday or Wednesday baseball game at mm. five. You so know, you still had a life outside of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just I loved baseball so much. I loved playing baseball so much that that was like my my normal thing to do. And how great of your parents to make space for that to still yeah. happen, you yeah. know, because a lot of times you have these like momagers or like sort of like stage yeah. parents who are like everything we do has to be about this business you are the brand and whatever <laughs> my mom was the exact opposite hmm. because my, i mean my it was like seriously it's just my dad would go to work my mom and i would go to work as well you know yeah. and that was it and then we would all come home at the end of the night <laughs> it was like that was the whole situation and so your mom sort of became like your handler when you were essentially yeah so was yeah. she there with you like every day on set every day Wow. She was uh, the only unpaid person there. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that the case for Jason Dolly's mom? Wasn't Michelle yeah, there? Yeah, Michelle. Oh, Michelle would go every day yeah. too. Um, but my mom and Michelle are best friends. Oh, really? Yeah. So did they become best friends through? Yeah. Through so, good luck, Charlie. Okay. You know, no big deal. It was like they got to go and hang out all day. Yeah. It was like it was a great time. I think either one of them would would drop everything and do it all again. You know, like wow. it was a really great time. Uh, I could be wrong about that. That's <laughs> but how great to have that that support, you know, and, and speaking of Jason, you struck up a lot of friendships, you know, with, with people you've worked with over the years, right? Like you and Jason are still, you know, buddies. Obviously, that's how you got on our softball team. But then Jake, who you worked yeah. with on Mighty Men, like you guys are, are good buddies. Like, do you think do you think these are the types of people, I guess there's no way to know, but I'm curious, like if you didn't work with them, but you just met them outside of like the business, do you think you would have formed the bonds that you guys have? Or do you think you became close because of the shared experience? I think we got put into interesting scenarios and then it's like high school, you know, you find the people who you're like closest you can relate to and right. you all kind of same, like have the same mindset, you know? And, uh, and also just like you're with people all day, every day. Yeah, you know, and it's just kind of the people that I I never got along with the the ones who wanted to go to all the events and the premieres and do all the things and uh, cared about all that stuff. It just never really registered with me. And Jake doesn't like doing that stuff. Jason doesn't like doing that stuff. Most of the people on the shows that I worked on didn't like doing those things. Mm. Um, and I I got lucky in that way. And, and yeah, Jake became my best friend. He's like my brother and. I, I hate him more than anybody in this world, but I also <laughs> love him dearly. And, uh, you know, I, I we got lucky. The funny thing is, is I actually genuinely did not like Jake when we first started working together. So Couldn't stand him. 
like was that first day on set you didn't like him or because i mean you know take you know people behind the curtain it's not like oh you both just got magically cast and you show up together yeah, he was on th- ant farm for yeah. four years and then i was on good luck charlie for four years i think they did three years but did they right? do like a chemistry test with you guys to mm-hmm. see like with the execs yeah like, and i didn't like him <laughs> I just didn't from that like moment him. like i didn't like him no he was dude when he was 15 he was like eight he just was <laughs> the most energetic like crazy guy yeah. and i was like and uh, you know looking back on it i was a 14 year old who acted like a 40 year old because i worked with (laughs) all adults on good luck charlie so i was you know a you know stuck up guy and he was crazy 15 eight eight year old dude you know (laughs) like and we just didn't mesh together but then as we started working together more i realized that that was a product of his show and it was a product of my show but Mm. we were really more similar than we thought um but we became really close honestly after Mighty Med and through Lab Rats, uh, and then I went off to college, and he kind of just kept working, and okay. we just stayed friends. But um, you know, we all we we formed a good relationship with a bunch of people, and I got lucky. So, you know, being on these shows, obviously, it's cool that you get to be on a television show; people recognize you. But when you work on a Disney Channel show, a lot of times there's a lot of perks that come with working on yeah. these shows. Like, what are some of like the coolest things that you've been able to do in your life as a result of being on these shows? I mean, the obvious ones are Disneyland and Disney World and the Disney cruises. I I think I probably went to Disneyland while I was working on Disney. I was probably going to Disneyland three or four times a year. Okay. And just getting to go there and do one like little clip for a few hours and then have the day there. And let's be clear, this experience is not like the experience that 99.9% of people have when they go to Disneyland. I wait in lines, no. Do not wait in lines. You have like a, a guide <laughs> yeah. that they call plaids. The tickets were paid for. The food was paid for. Is yeah. You've said, which ride do you want to go on? And I would say, yeah, well, let's go on that one. And yeah. They walk I you mean, right up to the front of the line. It's ridiculous. And they like bring you your food, right? When you go to either yeah. like Jolly Holiday or wherever right. you sit down to eat, right? You know, what's so funny too though is I always thought that that was, I always kind of felt bad doing it, mm. you know, because you would also be like, They'd be like, do you want to go on this again? And you're like, yeah, let's do it again. And they're like, all right, just one more time. And you're already on the cart. And then there was a kid, you know, who's standing in line, has been waiting in line for yeah. hours. And you're like, sorry, yeah. I'm going again. It's like that video. I saw this, I was on TikTok or something where I think it was the Kardashians were on the teacups. Yeah. And they kept like every other teacup empty except for the ones that they were in. <laughs> yeah, these people and it's just like, you see this sea of humanity, like standing yeah. around, just like wanting to get on. And like, I get it from one angle because like, you, it's safety. You got to yeah. try to keep these people safe because there are a lot of strange people out there who might get a little, might get a little extreme, you know, around them. Well, so what's funny is my myself, Jake, and our good friend uh, Austin North, who was on Disney too at the time, we all went to Disneyland one day, and we were we, dude, if if you can like crank through it with a guide, I mean, seriously, you could probably hit every single ride, get lunch. And if it's just like five people, you could get through it in four hours. Really? And like you're hauling, but you're you're doing it. I've never had that experience. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you what it's like. <laughs> um, <laughs> pull back the curtain. But so you know, we finished before dinner. We go to a dinner. They had set up a dinner. We go to that, and then it was over. You know, and it was like five or six o'clock, and we were like, "Yeah, I don't really want to leave. Like, we should go. Let's just go on a few more rides." But the guide was already done. The day was over. Right. 
And we were like, let's just see what happens. How bad could it be? Because I always thought, like, this this is a bit of a joke that we're allowed to do this, you know, like right. to go on these rides and not have to wait in line. And so we went to Tower of Terror and what formerly known as Tower of Terror. <laughs> um, but we go over there and uh, we're waiting in line for a minute and the, the person in front of us recognizes us and then it turns into like a sea of people recognizing us. And then the parks got super mad at us because we disrupted their line. If the line's already an hour wait, right. now we're making it an hour and a half wait. And then that totally disrupts the park. Right. They have a flow. And that they told us after that that that's the main reason. It's not like this is a big perk of yours, like we're doing that this we for treat you, you because you're so service, amazing. Yeah. It's like we're doing this because we have our own thing going. Don't mess it up. You know, right. we If you're walking down Main Street and you're clogging it up, because a bunch of people are recognizing you. They're like, right. hey, hey, keep it moving. You know, right. keep it moving, people. So we got in trouble after that because they were like, we gave you the guide. Like, <laughs> just stick with that, man. You know yeah, what are you doing? Exactly. We were like, all right, well, I guess we're never doing this again. You know, so you started acting when you were nine. You've had an incredible run of it. Has there been a moment that's been like the most memorable or maybe a couple of things that stick out to you that like you're just you're grateful for someone you got to work with, um, a fan interaction, yeah. something that just stands out to you? Oh man, for me, honestly, uh, there's, there's two things that like instantly came to my mind. Uh, I think like obviously being able to travel and, and go to different places, different countries working and being paid to be there is obviously pretty ridiculous. But like the two biggest moments for me was we were on set, uh, of Good Luck Charlie and a PA comes up to us while we're rehearsing and was like, Hey, um, so on set next door, it's, uh, shake it up. Um, Kobe Bryant's over there with his family and he asked if you guys would come over here and, and meet us, really? meet him, you know, and, uh, he was a big fan of our show and the kids wanted to watch shake it up for a bit. So, because they were filming. So, uh, I, I couldn't have said yes any quicker. I mean, I'm a huge Laker fan and growing up when I did, Kobe was drafted, you know, the year I'm born. And then, right. and then I just grew up watching him, you know, yeah. I mean, Kobe was like a hero of mine. Yeah. And so. I could not have moved over there quicker. My dad has season <laughs> tickets to Laker games, so I'd watched the guy a billion times. But never met him before. Never met him. Okay. Go over there. I mean, he's he's seriously larger than life. Uh, and he stands up, daps us up, and was like, oh, my God, you guys are so funny. Like, uh, we watched your Christmas movie recently. and <laughs> that, that It was so funny. And I start crying. I'm like, really? this is ridiculous. You know, like this is the crazy. I'm like, I'm such a massive fan of yours. Like this yeah. is just so ridiculous. You know, that was an amazing interaction. Did you get photos with him and all yeah, that? Stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And he's, I mean, I don't even think you can see his face in it, but he's you so tall. Was like in yeah. your, your place anywhere or where do you? I don't, I think my mom has him somewhere. I haven't, I haven't gotten those from her, but. I feel like it, those got to be on like prominent display. If I, I had a photo with like Kobe Bryant or any of those legends, you know, Michael yeah. Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Wayne Gretzky, you sort of name like the yeah. greats from a sport. Like I've always said that if you're a sports fan and you have the opportunity to see like one of the greats play, oh my God, do it. Like even if you sit like all the way in the last row, yeah, at the top level of the ballpark or the arena or wherever you're at, like to know that you were there. Like if sports is your, is your thing, it's sort of like the same thing. Like if you're a big theater fan, like if you can go see like Mandy Patinkin in a yeah. show or Patty Lapone or whoever it is, like those are the greats and they're yeah. not going to do it forever. And to be in that space, it's a very unique experience. Yeah. And then you say you saw it. Yeah. Um, 
Along with that was uh, Jason and I were at an event one time, and some dad walks up with a camera around his chest and was like, hey, can my daughters get a photo with you guys? And we're like, uh, yeah, if we can get a photo of you. It was uh, Mark Wahlberg. Oh, really? <laughs> just like, <laughs> casually just like wanted to get some photos for his kids. That's amazing. We were like, yeah. He brought his kids to this event just because like a bunch of young actors were going. Right. And he was there, and we are just like, this is ridiculous why are you doing this but i think seriously like the the greatest moment for me uh that like felt like my work actually was meaningful and meant something was when i was doing uh, that sandler movie i uh I, I was on set and i was we were only there for a few days working we were filming in boston and we were and we were doing like a party scene and in the party scene was a bunch of like young actors. This was what Herbie, Hubie Halloween, Hubie Halloween, yeah. Hubie Halloween. That's right. Herbie fully loaded. Yeah, Herbie with, fully loaded with Adam Lohan. Sandler. Yeah, exactly. I didn't uh, see that. That yeah, was that was a weird one. That was the uncut version. Yeah. Um, no, so we're we're doing like a party scene. It was like supposed to be like a high school party, and it was all like these young actors in it. Yeah. And there was like two hundred extras. You know, so you're surrounded by extras. It was already nerve wracking as it was. My character had to be like making out with a girl. That was like the bit, and then I talk to adam for a second and then we go whatever it was just a couple scenes we're there over the course of a few days and adam comes up to me at one point while we're we're filming we're in between takes and he's like hey can i can i talk to you for a sec yeah and i'm like i'm getting fired i'm like thinking in my head (laughs) there's no reason he would want to talk to me right you know i'm like this is the end of my career this is great i'm never gonna work again (laughs) so he goes after the next take just come talk to me and i'm like okay so i do the take go over i'm talking to him and he's like hey so um uh, uh, my buddy's coming. He's bringing his daughter. His daughter's doing a little bit in the movie. Yeah. Um. She was a big fan of yours growing up. They, the whole family, was a big fan of yours. Watching Good Luck Charlie. Uh, they wanted to know if they could get like some photos with you after you know we're done with the scene. And I'm right. Like, I'm like, yeah, no, no big deal, right? And he's like, okay, so he should be. He, he'll be here any minute. So I'm standing there. And I'm filming, and I see this guy come in with his daughter, and I'm like, no way. There's no way that this is happening, and. Uh, Sandler <laughs> comes up and he was like, "Hey, they're here. Come take a photo." <laughs> uh, he goes, "It's funny though. I think it, I think he's more excited than his daughter is." I'm like, "Okay, wow. this is ridiculous." It was it was Ben Stiller. Wow. It was Ben Stiller and his daughter. And uh, Ben, I mean, seriously, was like so excited. He was like, "Hey, you know, we're, <laughs> we're such big fans of your show. Uh, you know, she's she's doing a little bit in the film because uh, she's getting into acting. We want to know if we could get some photos with right. you." Right. And I'm like, <laughs> "This is ridiculous, right?" And so, you know, we're, we're, we're talking for a minute. He's like, so what are you, what are you doing now outside of this? I'm like, I'm going to USC for film. He's like, oh my God, I wanted to go there so bad. Uh, I, I applied there. I didn't get in. So I ended up having to go to UCLA and I went to UCLA for six months and I hated it and I left. And I'm like, why did you not get into USC? And I did first (laughs) off. And then I'm like, on top of it, I'm like, you were acting at the time. Also, your dad is who he was, right. you know, and was actively on Seinfeld probably at that time. I'm like, I, I, I this is ridiculous, right? Yeah. You know, I'm like, why were you there? But then so we just kind of got to talking and uh, just the nicest guy. We were just kind of talking about everything and talking about working. And um, I I went up to him at one point. I, I, I kind of stayed away. You know, you're trying to do that thing where you're trying to be cool, where you're like, I'm not going to talk to him because everybody else is trying to talk to him. So I'm right. just going to I'm going to be like the desirable you know, yeah, exactly. you know, guy. And the so, forbidden fruit. yeah. And so, so Adam came up to me and he was like, Hey, y'all good. Cause Adam was like on set the whole day. And, yeah. and, and Adam and I were talking for a second and Ben walks up again. 
And and he's and like, why are you avoiding I'm me, like, man? Yeah, so yeah, so so while Ben's walking up, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I should leave, right? They're probably gonna want to talk to each other. It's just Ben and Adam want to talk to each other. I'm gonna walk away because there's no way that's right. I'm involved in this. Ben walks up and he goes, Hey, Adam, you know that Bradley's going to USC's film school. I'm like, this isn't that cool, <laughs> just so we know. Like, it's not that exciting of a thing. And so we all started talking about that. And then Adam walks away, and just Ben and I are standing there talking. Um, and I had to say to him, I go because. Alex, my brother-in-law, you know Alex. Yeah. Uh, he, we're we're quoting. We quote uh, a line of his from Dodgeball all the time, okay. and I said, my brother-in-law would be pissed at me if I didn't tell you this. But we every time we're playing softball, we make this joke. Just when we're ever doing anything, is we there's a line in Dodgeball where your character gets a, a penalty or whatever in the match, and he goes. What we're sweating like grease monkeys out here. I can't hold on to a ball. <laughs> and it's like, it's the most ridiculous, like, it's just the stupidest line. And I said to him, I go, you probably don't even remember saying it because it's so dumb, but right. it, it is brought so much joy to us. And he was yeah. like, he was like, oh my God, that's so funny. He goes, I, I honestly think I made that up like while we were doing that. I don't even that's remember incredible. really saying that, right? So his, his wife and daughter were there. We started talking to them. And his wife comes up to me and was like, hey, we have to tell you, we we say a line from your show all the time. Really? And, and she was like, we, there's something you said to your mom that was like, but mom, and whatever it was, we say that all the time. And I go, I just told Ben that I say a line from his... <laughs> and it was just like this surreal, like, there's no... Because this guy's like, I mean, he's a comedy legend. Yeah. It's Ben Stiller, you know? Yeah. And it's like... It's Derek Zoolander. Yeah, he's, right? It's Zoolander. It's Fokker. It's like... It's all the things. It's like Along Came Polly. It's like, this guy's just a legend. And so just to have like that moment and to be on set... And I mean, I remember the people I was filming with too, they were like, dude, this guy really liked you. And I'm like, I don't know. This was unbelievable. You know, so it was you like... want to come back to our place? Yeah, now? that's okay. what I was... I was waiting yeah, for something really, like yeah, that, you know? <laughs> like, the craziest thing too was like, they're walking away... And I was like, well, it was really great meeting you. Um, you know, thank you for the conversation. And the the wife was like, yeah, well, we'll, we'll stay in touch. And I was like, okay, do you want, like, get number or something like that? She was like, no, we, 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 we can find out how to contact you. I'm like, hmm. that, oh, that's scary. That's yeah. like, you're that famous that you can figure out how yeah. to contact well, me. Their manager agent's going to go on IMDb Pro and get access yeah. to your agent. Yeah, and then my agent would be like, uh, what? <laughs> like, why do you want to talk to him? But that that was also like they were sort of like telling you like when you're at this level like there's yeah. no cell phone yeah, exchanging. Yeah, I don't need your we, help. We have somebody else take care of that. Yeah, for us and, and larger us. than life. You know, you know what's wild is uh not nearly the same experience. But uh, when I went to see um, but Ben Stiller came up to me. But Ben Stiller was actually he wanted to be the premier <laughs> guest on the show, but I said no. We got Bradley Perry. He's like, wait, Bradley's gonna yeah. be there? I'll do number two. He's actually in the, the <laughs> yeah. He's waiting. He's in the green room. Waiting. He's got his autograph book. They're waiting. Uh, but I went to see. Do you hear the musical the the Great Comet? Um, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of eighteen twelve that was on Broadway. Yeah. With Josh Groban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A few years back, um, when I went see the show the way the stage was set up is it was sort of like a cabaret sort of vibe so they actually had people sitting on the stage they built these like risers that sort of went up the back and it they were like it looked like they were sitting in booths at like a like a cabaret room or something and i went with my sister and her boyfriend at the time and they got because we got our tickets through like the tkts booth in times square and so they had seats up on the stage and i was in the orchestra great seats and i'm sitting there looking up at my sister on the stage and then I see these people come walking in and sit next to her. It's Ben Stiller and his wife. Really? And they sat like they literally sat next to them the entire show and sitting right behind her was Billy Eichner. 
No. And yeah. she was just surrounded by like all these celebs. There was no celebs where I was sitting, like whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, but you. like, I mean, it, it just felt so funny to me that it was like, if you were going to be a celebrity going to a show or you were going to give tickets to a celebrity, wouldn't you want to put them in seats where not like everybody's looking at them? Uh, 1,200 people are staring at yeah. them. It's like, well, it's cool that Josh Groban's there, but like, Ben Stiller's sitting in the audience. Like that person's singing their solo. Yeah, I, I care more about him now at this yeah, point. Can, can you give him a microphone? I'd love to hear his take. Are on you this a moment. Laker fan? Oh yeah. Okay, so I was at a Laker game like a couple weeks ago, okay. and I'm, we're sitting in my my dad has these tickets. I sat in them my whole life, and walking up the aisle, and I was very confused, and I'm like, "Is that him? He was just with his family. It was just it was Laker legend Byron Scott." Yeah. The guy's just sitting in like row 17 in the middle with his family. And I'm like, did he, I'm like, am I blanking? Didn't he coach this team for a while and the guy can't get courtside or a suite? Down from the bench? I'm like, what's happening? The guy's in the 17th row just like chilling. And I'm like, I'm like, am I maybe wrong about this? And then the guy working in the corridor is like, why is Byron Scott sitting right there? <laughs> and we're all just like, that seems so strange, you know? Yeah. You kind of forget that the game's going on for a second because I'm like, that's weird. That's weird that he's yeah. right there, but also cool, I guess, that he's comfortable doing that. So I have a connection to Byron Scott, too. Do you really? Yeah, so my... You had a Laker game a couple weeks ago. I was ago at a Laker game a couple weeks ago. Like, and I, I can't was in, see. <laughs> yeah, I was right behind him. I, he's actually the reason I told him. I was like, sir, I can't see. Can you go back to your seats, please? No, um, but... I, my, I guess, uncle-in-law, he's like a resident pro at a golf course here in Southern California. And I went to get a lesson from him one time. And the guy who was hitting on the range two stalls down from me was Byron Scott. Byron Scott. And I looked at, I was like, is that? He goes, yeah, it's Byron Scott. He's here all the time. Because it's down near, uh, it's like Westchester. So like down near LAX, like that sort of general vicinity near like all where all the training facilities are. So I don't know if he lives down there. Which course? Westchester. Golf course, the one right by the airport. And that's a nice country. It's not necessarily. It's not a country club. It's just. It's a quiet range. Oh, really? So I feel like if you're like a celeb, why doesn't Byron Scott have a membership to like Sherwood or something? Pay for those row fifteen seats. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe Byron Scott's just broke. Maybe that's what we're learning. I don't right know, now. Byron, if you're listening, yeah, I'm we so would love sorry. To know. Like... <laughs> maybe he just honestly like it's such a like when you go to that driving range, like you don't need a fancy range. You just want somewhere no. to hit balls, you know. And I think for him. It might just be like, hey, I can go here and there's not a lot of people who are going to bother me. Yeah. Like he was smoking a cigar, That's just hilarious. working on his swing at like one o'clock on a Tuesday. I mean, maybe he is living the dream. It sort of sounds yeah. like it to me. Yeah, he was hitting balls and he was like, I'm going to the Laker game tonight and I got to sit 15 yeah, yeah, rows 15 rows, they couldn't give me court sites. shit tickets. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Um, so, you know, let's transition now. You know, you grew up, you know, on screen. That was a huge part of your life. And then you decided, I'm going to school. Was that like something that you knew you wanted to do for a long time? It was like you were like, I'm going to take a step back from the business and just focus on education? Or what was it that serves as a, as a catalyst? Yeah, you, you know, I, I the last show I did, the Lab Rats ended when I was, I guess, 17, about to be 18. And I was just like, it's kind of, that's what you do right now, right? Is you go to college. Everybody I knew was going to college and... I, I know I wanted to originally, funny enough, I wanted to go for sports broadcasting. Okay. I thought maybe I'd continue working in the entertainment industry, but I, it was also like, I loved the idea of doing sports broadcasting. Mm. I always wanted to be a sports broadcaster. Um, kind of do like the Joe Buck vibe where he does all the d- different sports. I think my girlfriend's dead. It's fine. Is she just 
texting just, you and yeah, calling it's you. Calling me like crazy. So you're a popular dude. Yeah. She knows where you're at. She knows you're on Greatest Stories Never Told. She's like, you got to put me on air. <laughs> My God. <laughs> um, but so I just said podcast. Stop calling. Um, <laughs> they really like it when you're really short with them. Yeah, it's going to be a lovely conversation. Years. They really love those types of yeah, texts. I'm, gonna, I'm really excited to call her on the <laughs> Um I, I just felt like now was a good time to be normal for a minute. Uh, my my girlfriend at the time was in college, and she was just being a normal college girl. And I was like, I think I have this is what I want to do, you know? Yeah. And so it was also like it wasn't like there was the option of do you want to go to this show or do you want to go to college? It was like work kind of stopped for a second, and I was like, well, I might as well try to get my degree. Right. And then while doing that, like I'll maybe start to work. But then at a certain point, I was like, you know, I want to I want to actually go to a school, mm. and I want to like live. On campus, and I yeah. want to do this whole thing, and uh, I bounced around with majoring in something totally unrelated to film, mm-hmm. but then I got to the point I was like, everybody's going to film for, I mean, everybody's going to school for the thing they want to do for the rest of their life, and the thing I want to do for the rest of my life is film, so why wouldn't I right. you know, do it? And also, like, you know, USC's film school is number one in the world. I'm like, that's, that's the thing I want to do. I think it's a great tip for anyone, you know, because a lot of your fans are, you know, late teens, early 20s who maybe are in college about to start or maybe they're thinking about, you know, maybe they took some time off from school and they're going to go back is that I went to college right out of high school and I very quickly discovered I was like, I do not want to be here. Like, I want to be out in the world and I want to be learning and I... Why am I sitting in this classroom, someone teaching me how to do this thing where I could just go do, do the thing? But then I went back and one of the greatest lessons I learned going back to college was how much power you have as a student once you get to college to study what you want to learn about. What you want to do, yeah. You know, I think we, in you know the public school system here in the US, it's like, oh, you got to do history, you got to do science, you got to do English. So then you get to college and you're like, well, I got to do history, I got to do science, I got to do... It's like, n- no, you don't. Like some of those things are like prerequisites are like required for your, you know, your overall degree, but like the majority of your load can be stuff that you're excited about. Or maybe there's something you, you always thought was interesting, but you never had the chance to learn about it, like astronomy or, or marketing or whatever it is. So like, I always tell young kids who are like about to go to college that I feel like your college experience will be better if you voice, you become your own advocate and do what you want to do. Totally. Um, because if you go and sit in 17 units worth of college classes of like hours of things that you have no interest in whatsoever, it's going to suck. It's going to suck. Yeah. And you might drop out. Yeah. You may, you may stop going to class. Your grades are going to suffer. It's, yeah. you know, take the things you have to take, but also balance it out with things that like are really going to excite you and fulfill you. Yeah. And I think it'll make your college experience. Better. Yeah. I mean, honestly, my favorite classes that I, I took in college I don't even think we're filmed, though, is the funny part. <laughs> it was like, I've kind of found the things that interest me. Obviously, you know, I wanted to get the degree in what was going to benefit me. Right. Um, but then at the same time, I was like, well, I have the freedom to take these other classes. Yeah. And astronomy, honestly, was one of them. And I was like, this is something I'm really interested in. So I oh, learned yeah. more about it. And that was like my favorite class I took. It was Dude, like same. so much fun. It was so much fun. I, I, I also feel like there's... Something nice about not really deciding your major until 
you've taken some of the prereqs mm-hmm. because you kind of get those out of the way. Exactly. And now you're like, I can focus on the thing I want to do. And, and you change so much from like age, you say you start college right out of high school, you're 18 years 18 old. 18 to 20. You're, the you're growing person. so much. You yeah. become a different human being, you know? And so I think not necessarily committing right out of the gates is, unless you're like one of those people who are like, I know I want to be a lawyer. I've wanted to be a lawyer yeah. ever since I was yeah. a kid. And like, that's just your track. But for so many of us, we're figuring it out right. in real time, you know? So allow yourself that freedom to figure it out. Yeah. You know, I think it is critical. So college, you're done. You've graduated. I remember, I think it was, was it last year you walked or was like... Uh, walked two years ago now. Okay, because I remember you talking about that at our softball game. Yeah. And um, I want to transition now to something that we're all talking about navigating something in real time is like social media, right? Yeah. Like we, we live in this time where... Social media is, it's how people connect. It's how people consume. It's how people get entertained. It's how they entertain others. It's, um, it's how they express, you know, and, and for you, a lot of like your expression was through your, your craft as an actor. So I want to dig a little bit deeper in this next part of our conversation into like the world of social media and how you, as someone who grew up in the public eye are navigating it and and what your thoughts are on it. It's the stupidest business. I think everybody's confused. I don't think that's what I, one of the things I've realized from all my years in this business is that that person I'm on the zoom with that person I'm sitting opposite, you know, a big conference room table, they're searching for answers just as much as the rest of everybody is, but they've become really good at pretending that they know. I think everybody's pretending, especially now because of TikTok, because of Instagram, because of all the ways that content can be shared and disseminated. I think it's, and the numbers are so wild. Like yeah. the fact that you could have a show that's the number one show on like an HGTV or whatever it is. And like, oh, we got 2.3 million viewers and they're thrilled. But then you go to someone's TikTok and they put up a video and in 24 hours they have 5 million views. It's just not the same though. You know, it's just so like that's that's my problem with it though is the conversion rating of that hmm. is just not the same. To get somebody, to get two and a half million people to sit down on a Sunday night to watch your show for... I mean, those shows are 30 minutes, hours, like some of them. It's like, that is a very big difference than getting 10 million people to, and also, by the way, doesn't that count for if I watch it two times? You know, uh, that counts yeah. as a view, right? It's not per device. Correct. So, you know, you don't even know if it's actually 10 million different people watching a clip for the whole length of it. And then you look at the analytics and it's like, well, they only watched for 10 seconds on average. Yeah. And you're like, so what is the point of this? But also... We don't know, like, say somebody is watching a show on HGTV or ABC or whatever. So many people have devices in their hands where, like, how much of the show are they actually actually watching? Or are they second screen experiencing TikTok or Instagram or whatever it is? It's just there's so many ways to keep people's brains busy. Yeah. And keep people's, you know, trying to keep their attention or take their attention. It's it's a wild time. So I think to have a new piece of content and to try to find an audience for it, it's never been like it is now. Yeah. And and for me, I think the big challenge that I've run into is that I was conditioned through the generation that I grew up in that like this is the way that TV works. This is the way entertainment yeah. works. You start at the bottom, you work your way up, yeah. you learn all the skills, you become this. Um, but that's just not the way that it is anymore. But you know what's funny though is that's how it is for me too, honestly, because I started working at such a young age. Yeah. And I have a social media following, 
but it's it, it's disingenuous of me to post anything uh, that's in the vein of being an influencer because mm. it's not me and it's not why I have a following either you know I have a following because I spent my life working every single day while everybody else was in middle school and high school you know right. it's like that I I was working 12 hour days on television and then that resulted in people enjoying those shows and then I have a following it's not like I you know did a few dances shirtless and bing bang boom I got two million people watching every day yeah it's this interesting time and this it's so hard to navigate because I'm sure a lot of the people who follow you on social media they follow you because they loved the characters that you yeah. played you know on, on Disney Channel over the years but even that character wasn't you. Right. So it's like, where do you draw the line in terms of what you share and what you talk about on your social media? Yeah. Because like, do you do you want people to know you that personally? Yeah. You know, it's it's weird for me because I noticed on Instagram uh, the photos that always did well or the stories that I would post that would do well were just me being me and doing the things that I enjoy doing in my life. And when I was at college, mm -hmm. the photos that did well were me at a frat party or me with like my mm -hmm. fraternity brothers or on campus because people were like, oh, this was the guy I grew up watching. He's my age now. We're all in college. He's just a normal dude doing normal things. Right. Um, so when I would do brand deals or, or the photos where you're, you know, trying to look, you got like Sexy. the box of cereal in the foreground. Yeah, people don't buy it, yeah. you know? And and it made me happy because I was like, okay, that means that I'm not just another one of these, you know, pawns moving along as a as social media influencer because I don't like doing it. Right. Um I think I think you obviously have to play the game at a certain point. I mean, if you want anything to be successful nowadays, you have yeah. to have that social media following. It's tough because like those are your fans, yeah, you know, that, and yeah. those are the people that really kept you going like yeah. in your career like if they hadn't watched good luck charlie and you know uh, mighty med and all these other shows you wouldn't have had the career that, that you that you've had right yeah. but at the same time like we live in this weird time where like when you look at like celebrities of like say maybe my generation or the generation before like think of like george clooney or even going further back than that let's say like a dick van dyke or whatever yeah. you know it, you didn't see these people all day, all day, yeah. every day. It was like, oh my gosh, like if you happened to be like driving through Hollywood and Dick Van Dyke was doing a movie <laughs> premiere, like, no you're like, what? Oh my yeah. God, it's him. Yeah. You know, or you happen to see somebody at the grocery store or whatever. It yeah. was like a big deal where now it feels like it doesn't hit in the same way. Like yeah. I'm, I'm interested like to learn when people who are fans of your work see you out in the world do you think they still get as excited uh, as they would have had they not been able to just see you on social media all the time? I think, well, that's a good question, but I think, uh, you know, for me, I don't really post often on social media. Okay. It's not, again, it's like it's not my thing. Um, I definitely think, obviously, when the shows I was on were airing, there was obviously going to be more excitement. Right. But I also think the the cool thing for me is when I was 10 and working on Good Luck Charlie, there were 10-year-olds watching Good Luck Charlie. So then when I went in college, 
the people who watched Good Luck Charlie were in college. Mm. And it, it kind of just was like the seamless transition where it was a cool thing that we all got to experience together. You know, right. and it wasn't like I never was like doing anything out of the ordinary, in my opinion, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting because like when you were on the shows, the times you would have interaction with fans might be like when you're doing a live taping or say right. you went to like Disneyland or whatever and people saw you and like, oh my gosh, I love you. But now all those people like it, it is it interesting for you to have that dynamic real time feedback from those people where it's like not like you're running into one person out at the grocery store. Like now you post a photo 1.2 million or 2 million or whatever people might see it and tell you what they think. Like that's got to be, you know, I think I'm so kind of desensitized to those numbers though, yeah. you know? And I think that's the beauty of when people recognize you in person, it's like, Oh, this is real. Hmm. Or when people would be so excited to go to tapings of good luck, Charlie, it was like this, these people really enjoy this show. Hmm. Um, we always said on good luck, Charlie too, especially was, uh, we, we didn't, know that there was that many people watching the show mm. like we just enjoyed making the show right and we had fun with the crew and it was a hundred people on set and crew members all just enjoying the work they made never really cared about the numbers it was more that people were enjoying it was the fun right. part you know it wasn't like we were trying to beat out other shows it was just people seemed to really like us the coolest part of our show was that families liked it mm. it was more of a family sitcom than it was just like a, a kid sitcom so when people would say that they watch it with their kids or all oh, my parents watch this show all the time with us, like that was the coolest part of the whole thing. Right. Um, it kind of felt like we were a part of their family um, as well. Uh, but you know, dude, it's just like when you post something on, on TikTok, especially, I feel like it seems like anybody can get a lot of views if right. it just works. Something has to click to where it's like it gets in the algorithm and now it's on everybody's feed. And next thing you know, it's like, well, now I can capitalize on that and kind of make a career out of it where it's like, you know, you had to strike lightning in the bottle just to get <laughs> on TV. It's like, yeah. you know, it's very different or to have a successful TV show. Yeah. I mean, how does, I'm interested to get your thoughts on how you feel because you bring up this great point where it's like, you see someone like post a random video. It could be like a reaction to something or a meme of this or their kid doing that or whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like 10.5 million views yeah. and they gain a hundred thousand followers. And now they're potentially monetizing the social media platform where that they, it literally was like something that took them five minutes yeah. to put up and didn't take a lot of work. But for someone like you, and, and this is where it's challenging for me as well is that all these years of my life that I committed to like learning how to tell a great story mm -hmm. and all the crappy jobs that I took over the years are really challenging situations that I navigated to get to where I'm at and then to put something out. Like I deal with this all the time. Like when I put out content for, our, you know, some of our projects that we do with our podcast network is like, I'm like, this is really funny. Mm -hmm. And it's like 250 people see it. And then another video pops up on my feed. It's like, it's like stupid, but like it has 1 million likes. And I'm like, it really messes with your mind as somebody who has committed so much of their life to doing something. You're preaching the choir, man. I, I'm not even kidding you. I was on a walk with uh, my girlfriend last night and I was just saying how, I, you know, I, I'm still a young guy, but I started acting when I was five years old and I've, I've never loved anything else the way I love the film industry. Mm. You know, 
being on set, going to different states, countries, whatever it is, just to to work is like it's like the most amazing thing, you right. know. And uh, so when I watch like people working who haven't had a career in it, you know, or selling shows or getting acting gigs and they're just an influencer who kind of got lucky. It's, it's almost like heartbreaking, you know, cause I've spent so much of my life working and, and trying to work and caring about the work that I, that I do and just wanting to be a part of a film set. Uh, so to see people who are like, I don't even know what I'm doing, get a job on it. You're like, this sucks, man. I'm trying. It It's challenging. And, and part of me, I have this like mind that can always see both sides of pretty much any situation. Yeah. And it's, it's challenging because part of me is that dude like you who, you know, started like late teens, early twenties and was like, I want to do this with my life and just kept yes anding over and over again and worked for very little money or did a lot of side jobs or bought a gear that I couldn't afford but I knew that like I wanted Maybe to do this and I, and I was going to figure something out with it. And just like, it's been a ride. I'll, I'll just put it there. And, and it sucks when you see this stuff, but then also I love because I've been that person who's walked into pitch to a network executive with a great idea that like is airtight. And they're like, wow, your demos and your reels, incredible. What are your, your sizzle, whatever. And then to have them say, no, it's, it's heartbreaking because it's like, well, what else do I do with this thing? And so the fact that there is like these platforms where it sort of democratizes content distribution, that side of me goes, well, that's really cool. That's really, really cool. And just because I haven't figured out how I tell stories in that space yet, like- but You're doing it right now though. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I am. And that's, and that's what I always encourage people to do is that like, if you don't evolve, you will become a dinosaur. Absolutely. Like I could easily sit here in this moment and say, you know what? TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, whatever, that's going to go away. And it's, no, it's not. Yeah. It's not going to go away. Like if your love, like the love for me is storytelling. I just love telling stories. Where it gets told is irrelevant. Yeah. The length that it takes to tell that story is irrelevant. It's my job, my responsibility as a storyteller to figure out, well, how do I take this love of mine and the skills that I've gained to tell stories in a way that a lot of people are consuming it now so I can still do what I love and still impact people because I still think there is an ability to impact through social media. Yeah. And maybe even more so because you can be so real. Because you like you go on TikTok and it's like you see these people sharing these stories about like mental health issues or whatever it might be where all these conversations that historically didn't happen are happening now. So it's tough, you know, cause it literally is like for you starting, you know, at age five and your first big gig at age nine for all those years, you saw like, I have to audition. I have to get my headshots. I have to do all these things. And I got an agent and a manager and that's a grind, right? I got to show up and do 12 hours of work every single day. And then you see somebody just pop like that. It can be hard. Yeah, It can be hard, but I'm sure at the same time, there was somebody who saw me become an executive producer who was like, why did he get that? Why did he get that? Yeah. You know, I, I think it's the grass is always greener sort of situation. You know, water the grass on your side, but also like there is no overnight sensation. You no. know, I think it's, um, well, maybe there are is now with social media. But, there is though. That's uh, the thing. But that, so that also kind of like begs a question for me though, of like, you talk about the conversations that people can have online and the things that they share 
is there any portion of you, because you can see both sides of mm-hmm. things, and to me it's a double-edged sword. I do think there's a lot of people who are being honest about a lot of things and are trying to be benevolent in that situation, but isn't there like also the risk that people are doing that just to get views and likes? Oh, 100%. I think ego, you know, I do a lot of reading, like I read, you know, stuff by like Eckhart Tolle, you know, about like the egoic self, you know, mm-hmm. versus like your your being and who you are and type of stuff that like when I was younger, I wouldn't have really read into yeah. at all. Um, but I think to your point, we live in this time where y- people are just like creating stuff to get like someone to touch, tap a little heart on a screen to make them feel good. Like there was a study that was done years ago um, where I think they hooked people's like brains up to these devices that was reading like their reactions internally to getting a hug and then seeing that they got a notification, letting them know that someone liked a post of theirs. And it was the same part of the brain was being activated. It's affirmation. Yeah. It's, it's like, you are good. You are worthy, you know? And the problem, there's a lot of problems I think is that one, you are feeding that egoic self where it's like when you're a kid and you do something and your parent says, Oh, that was so great. I'm so proud of you for doing that. Yeah. At some point you make that decision like, well, if I do keep doing this thing over and over and over again, I'm going to get that reward of my mom or my dad or grandma, grandpa saying they're proud of me. Yeah. And I think so many people are chasing that. But the problem is, is that one, they're just copying what other people are doing because they see that other people like that. So they're losing their sense of self in it, I think. And then two, it's like, you constantly feel this anxiousness to have to put out something new. Cause it's like yeah. your video is old in an hour. Yeah. It's gone. People don't care. There's a hundred million other posts have now gone up in the last hour. What are you going to do next? Thanks. Well, and also like it may be so good, but there's also the chance it could be so bad. So it's like the, the good that comes from it is that worth somebody saying, Oh, you look stupid or, Oh, this is a terrible idea or, Wow, this is the weirdest photo I've ever seen you post. Like, are those positive comments worth somebody tearing you down on it, you know? I think we've just given too much power over our overall well-being to external sources. Yeah. People who don't know us. Like, you're opening yourself up to, like, positive or negative critiques from a bunch of people that you don't know that you'll likely never meet in your life. And why? I think... What it comes back to for me is like, what is your why behind it? Like for me, like when I get on TikTok or Instagram, most of the time I'm just like, if some some thought hit me that day about like, hey, here's a way you can look at life to like live a happier life. That's the type of stuff that I share. Or like if I, I talk about my kids and the way yeah. they've impacted my life, like that's really what I lean into on social media. I look at it as we can't stop all the people who are going to put the crap out in the world. They're just going to do it. But if the platform exists and I can do my part to maybe pop up in somebody's feed that offsets that triggering thing that they just saw, yeah, then that's the way I choose to do it. And and I hope that other people can do that as well because I think that's how you can sort of find your own authentic voice yeah. in all of it. Um, and it's hard. It's un, you know It's unprecedented times. We've never had this much access to this much information and these many people. It was only maybe people like yourself who were out in the public eye, who were on a show that was seen by two, three million people, whatever it is, every single week, that knew what it was like 
to be critiqued. And frankly, it's interesting, like as we're having this conversation, I'm thinking that people on social media are getting a feeling for what maybe someone like you went through in childhood. Yeah. Of just putting yourself out there, doing something, like talking about something you enjoy or acting or whatever, not knowing what people are going to say yeah. back to you. And and knowing that like your celebrity or your virality could be gone like that. And that's, you know, I'd love to dig into that deeper. Like for you as a, as a kid, like, did did you grasp like the bigness of what you were doing ever? No, I think about it now, and it makes sense to me. But you know, at at, at the same time, it's just like I don't think anybody could ever possibly understand anything you're doing ever. And also, it's all relative. I mean, what I went through and what I did compared to even on the same networks of like the the Selenas and the Miley's and all that. It's like, right. that is so astronomically more than anything I ever even went through. And that's why like, I, I have no negative feeling or thought towards working on Disney or working as an actor, as a kid, like anything along those lines. My life was awesome. I had a great life. I enjoyed every minute of it. And there's nothing negative about it to me because also people weren't really negative to me. I wasn't like known enough for people to to get to that point where people didn't like me. You know, mm. like it felt like it wasn't like it wasn't like I posted something and they were like, "Screw you for doing this because you used to date somebody that we like more than you." Like the way that the Selenas and the Miley's and all those people go through. You know, it's right. like there's always like some other side for is where, where I feel like for, for for me, if you follow me on social media. It, it's hopefully I, w- I would hope is just because you're like I just enjoy this guy you yeah. know and like the things that he posts but there's also there's almost like an obligation when you're somebody as big as Miley Cyrus or Selena Gomez or Demi Lovato all those people Justin Bieber's there's almost an obligation to follow them on Instagram mm. and then you choose if you want to be positive or negative they mm. have so many followers that it's like everybody follows them right that doesn't mean that everybody's good whereas I feel like if, if I'm low enough on the totem pole <laughs> to where like if you follow me I, I i hope it's just genuinely because you like me right you know and i i i've gotten lucky with that to where uh you know whether i post on social media or when i started a tiktok people were excited to see me on there um you know going on podcasts or whatever it is people have been happy about that and 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 that makes me happy you know to see that people still uh care about the thing that i i used to do you know, yeah. or that I still do and want to see me do things. And, um, you know, so I, it's nice that there's still that positivity. I haven't really experienced the negativity. Obviously when I was working on Disney, the likes were higher mm. and the, the following was higher, but I'm not going to complain about like the life I have now, right. you know, or anything along those lines. Uh, I, I think, you know, to kind of wrap around to the social media thing is the influencer life, the high follower count life, it's not me and it doesn't really make sense to me. Mm. And I, I don't really get it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I look at Instagram the way I think most 
24-year-old guys probably look through Instagram. And my Instagram, my Explore page is just golf videos <laughs> or, like, baseball highlights. You know, it's not, like, influencery stuff. It's just not me, and it's just not the thing I like to do. I act and I work in film because it's the thing I like. I, I don't care if that was, you know, cooking or playing baseball, whatever it was. It's just the thing that I like to do. Yeah. Um. You know, and I, so that's, I think that's the reason I get frustrated with social media, though, is because it feels like for me now, what I have to do to do the thing I love is also something I hate, you know? Yeah, I, I hear you on that 100%, is that can't I just show up and interview you? Yeah. And then just put that out into the world and let that be what it is. Like, I have to think about, okay, well, what are the, the clips that we're going to do from this? Yeah. What's the, after we're done recording here today, do we have to stand up in front of my ring light and be like, hey, everybody, come yeah. watch this show? And it's all the stuff outside of it where, and again, I see both sides because part of me is like, God, I just want to, I just want to have a conversation with somebody yeah. and put it out into the world. And if a hundred people listen or a hundred million, I, it's irrelevant to me because yeah. I just feel like impacting one person is something to be proud of. And just doing what you love is something to be proud of as well. It doesn't matter if anybody watches it or listens to it. Yeah, If you're just living who you are, like I think that's something to be proud of. But now it's like, you got to think about all these other ancillary aspects of it. And part of me is like, God, I just want to do this. But also I think, well, if this means that 50,000 people listen to this episode versus 50, then that's that's a gift, right? Yeah. That we do live in this time where now I have a potential opportunity to make more people aware, but like that can detract you from the focus of, well, if you're folk, if you really just want to impact one person, then why do you care if 50,000 people see it? And yeah. it's this, I have a constant conflict in my mind over just human how do nature. I want to do this? You I know? mean, that's, that's human nature at a certain point. Obviously, obviously when, if an episode of a television show that I'm on is released, you'd rather see it do 10 million views than 1 million views. Right. But that's also, that's also you wanting the thing that you're doing to be successful, that you know that you're actually doing it right. Yeah. And that it's impacting people and people are enjoying it. And if 50,000 people listen to your podcast, that means people enjoy it, yeah. you know, and that's not something to be shameful of. That's, it's, that's even cooler, you know? Yeah. And, and I think for me, it's, it's knowing that content that I think is uplifting and is real and honest is being exposed to more people. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of that comes from me working in reality TV for over 14 years and knowing how much of it is fabricated, you know, and just feeling like we're conditioning people to believe that this is real when in reality we're pulling so many strings sort of behind the scenes. And I think uh, for me, I got to this break point where I was like, I want to tell real stories. I want to tell yeah. stories that I'm excited about um, but also stories that are honest mm -hmm. and raw and real. And I think that goes back to maybe why people like you on social media so much is that they knew you as, you know, Gabe or Kaz yeah. or whatever it might be. But now it's like, oh, I get to know the human as well. And I think there is this hunger, I think, within humans to actually get real information. Totally. We just are fed so much nonsense that feels so contrived all the time people copying each other or like acting like their life is so great where when they turn off the phone life is crap yeah i think people just want to be told the truth and i think when people like you go on and you share like this is what's happening in my life they connect with it because it lets them know like hey they're just like me 
<laughs> it's also too, it's like once you really understand and think about how that influencer who's just got like the perfect body and they're doing these dances and looking awesome in their house. It's like, dude, that was like 30 seconds out of their day. You know, right. like they made that video right then. Probably the rest of the day, they were bored out of their mind because they're not really doing anything else, you know? So it's like, right. you look at it as like, that's like the peak right now. It's like, that's what I want to be is I want to be that guy who's, you know, getting 40 million views on his TikTok because he's a good looking dude and, and it seems like he lives in an awesome house. And it's like, yeah, but you're not really getting what this person is. And it doesn't really matter to me that they're doing that thing. Right. Personally, it's not interesting to me. So I was actually thinking about this the other day, and it's kind of a funny thought, is when you look at something that has so many shares or so many, uh, you know, like people will save it or send it to other people, and it shows you that those analytics on social media, you yeah. know, do you ever think about, you factor in your head, have you ever sent to like your friend, look how dumb this video is? Or like, why is this person doing this? Yeah. How cringy this is, right? And it's like, what if that's like, half the things that you were sent, you know, if it has 20 million views, mm. maybe 15 million of those people are like, this is so embarrassing, but you're only seeing the positive ones because the people, usually people don't want to comment negative right. things, you know? So it's like, there, there's not really a way of saying like, this was good. It didn't do well per se. Maybe it's like, statistically, it looks like it, but you don't know what people's thoughts were. Whereas like, again, with like a TV show, you know, maybe you do 10 million views in the first week and then 1 million views the next week. It's like, okay, you know that this didn't really translate. Right. But if you're sticking at 5 million, that means that people are really enjoying this. That means that 5 million people have to be enjoying the show because you're two seasons in and you're still getting that number. Right. Whereas like, just because you're getting that viewership doesn't mean people like it. I know. We live in, a, in an interesting time. It's very weird. Bradley. Um <laughs> This conversation has covered a lot of topics. Yeah. You know, we've talked about Ben Stiller. Uh, <laughs> we've talked about social media. Uh, we talked about Kobe Bryant. It, you know, we've, we've gone all sorts of places. Church softball, you know, <laughs> which might be the most exciting part of all of it. Um, but really, man, I've just, I've enjoyed, you know, getting to know you on the field, you know, in the dugout. Uh, we share a lot of, you know, funny moments, but getting to sit here today and get to yeah. know more about who you are. No, it's and, a lot of fun. And chat about maybe things that, a lot of your fans maybe have, have never heard you talk about is, is, is yeah cool. yeah because I, I feel like most interviews I've done in my life are very short form yeah you know and so it's kind of nice to have a what's your free favorite <laughs> candy it's always what's your favorite uh, for me it was always what was your favorite superhero because I did a superhero TV show oh everybody was that or what was it like working with a baby that was mm. the common one you know when I do assemblies for my children's book I almost always lead with I say who likes books kids will raise their hands who likes superheroes. Yeah. And then I go around and say, who's your favorite superhero? So maybe I should stop asking them that. Yeah, they're going to be pissed off. <laughs> no, but they love it. They no, really they, love it. They're they, faking it. Do you think so? They're really mad at you. Yeah. Uh, it's secretly. Yeah. When, they, when you leave, they're like, what an idiot. They're hate buying my <laughs> book, actually. All the guy. sales that I get after I do <laughs> yeah, the assemblies, they're like, is, they're like God, I hate this guy. I hate yeah, him so much. I want to buy that buy book. Buy that book and then throw it at him. That's yeah, exactly. Well, I can't <laughs> wait to see them all chucking their books at me sometime soon. But no, Bradley, this is... Been a blast. Thank you for being our guest for the premiere episode. I'm honored. I really it's am. A, your plaque is yeah. coming. Yeah, send it in the mail. It's going to go to your agent. Because yeah. um, as you know, like that, yeah. Ben Stiller, you don't communicate directly. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to send it to your agent to it's get okay. it to you. But anyway, man, it's been a blast. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for helping us kick off this new show. Appreciate it. Wow. 
what a conversation we got to have with Bradley. I, I set this up at the beginning. I said, you know, we went deep into certain topics and talked about how grounded Bradley is as a person. And I'm sure you all got to hear that and, and got that same vibe that I get from him. I'm so grateful to Bradley for being our premier guest on The Greatest Stories Never Told. We made it. One episode in the books, many, many more episodes to come. We already have, I think, another six, seven episodes recorded, uh, some featuring celebrities and notable individuals, some featuring people, like I said earlier, who are just doing really, really cool things, documentary directors, business owners, a guy named Repeatedly Dead Fred, who has been medically dead over 20 times. Like We're going to tell some really, really cool stories and meet some really, really great people on our show. So if you have not hit that subscribe button, please make sure you do that now. Uh, if you love this episode, please make sure to rate and review. I will be reading reviews on the show. So leave one now and you might you might hear a little something on our next episode. I, again, just want to stress how thankful I am to each and every one of you who took the time to listen to our show. It means the world to me and I am so excited for this journey that we're going to go on together. Anyway, we have reached the end of the episode and usually this is where the host has something really, really cool and fun to say like Seacrest out or whatever and I don't have that yet. So I'm just going to say a huge thank you and uh, I can't wait to hang out with you again real soon. <laughs>